I'm about to reintroduce our speaker. Uh, I don't know if you know our usher, Roy Mitchell, but uh, people, he stopped me and he said, Pastor, I've never been thanked so many times this morning for my awesome sermon. And I said, oh, I know. You're, not only do you look like our speaker, you're wearing the same clothes as our speaker. <laughs> And so, yeah, so we have a look-alike in the audience. So let, let me tell you, Gillette is preaching on one of those most beautiful, well-known uh, passages that if you listen to it, Jesus said it's the secret to a blessed life. But let me tell you about this guy. I said, serving the Lord for like 50 years, man, and just a quiet and, and gentle spirit that just opens you up and opens the way for the Holy Spirit to do his work. So don't be surprised and be ready because the Holy Spirit has something for us. Amen? Amen. So Brother Gillette, come on up here. <laughs> Gillette, the best a church can get. Remember, the best a man could get, whatever. You must have never heard that one before. Uh, probably never. <laughs> but you got the memo about the check shirt. Yeah. Yeah. How many guys have check shirts? A Did lot. Check your hand, let's see. Where's Roy Mitchell? Roy, he's serving as always. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. We'll get him after. All right. All right. God bless just, you. Uh, just want to see who got the memo. I didn't... <clears throat> Well, I heard um, Bon and Heather were here. Yes. And I was going to say Nepal, but they're from all over the place. Yes. They go everywhere. Great couple. They were in Nepal, then they went to Uganda, going to India. Right. Ooh. India. That's right next door to Nepal. And um, But uh, I think the area is, did he mention going there, this kind of rough area, right? Yeah, so um, we need to be praying for that, praying for that couple, because um, uh, they're going to be having some real feisty times while they're in India. Um, but praise God, we're going to Victoria and I. My wife Victoria, raise your hand. Yeah. <clears throat> we're heading to to Nepal as well, so I'm going to be there. I'm going to be teaching church history. Everybody loves history. It's kind of like, um, who is the guy that just gave me um, an allergy pill? I've, I've got some allergy problems. Santa Rosa, something like that. Anyway, and uh, I was told it was a non-drowsy. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, we're going to be going to Nepal, and um, church history can be boring. I mean, history of any kind can be boring, so be praying for me that I can, uh, through a translator, uh, do teaching history. But uh, we're going to have a great time. I've been there before, 
and um, we missed the uh, big earthquake. You remember hearing about the earthquake and just devastating to a lot of the people there, but I just missed that. But uh, we, we've had a great time. Turn your Bibles to um, John chapter 13. Verse 1. Is everybody there? Okay. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read from God's Word. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended... The devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things in his hands, and that he had gone <clears throat> from God and was going to God, and rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given to you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is not, he is not greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Father, we thank you for your word. We're blessed by it. We're encouraged by it. We're challenged by it. And so I'm asking God today that uh, as these people are being blessed, as they're challenged, as they're encouraged, that your Holy Spirit is going to help us to walk from this place not the same as when we came in. Not because of the speaker, but because of the Spirit of God. And let the Spirit of God 
speak. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. My voice almost gave out in the first service, and so uh, you can pray for me that I'm going to hang in there on this one. How many of you remember this song? We got it? What the world is love, sweet love, it's the only thing that gives us to little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, that's the but for everyone. Yeah, I'm a multi-talented guy. <clears throat> Back in the 60s, it was a song that just caught the hearts of a lot of people because they need, knew that it was true and it could easily be what Jesus was talking about here. It was, uh, the song was written by Bert Bacharach, Bert Bacharach and then made very famous by <clears throat> Dionne Warwick. But it became one of the top-selling songs of the time. And um, how many of you don't remember it? <clears throat> I, I don't. <clears throat> but, um, so, but this is something that the people craved at the time and people crave today. And as Jesus is addressing it to these people, and so Jesus addresses this issue here in this verse as well as the rest of the chapter. All the way through chapter 16, he, this is the theme that he follows in encouraging the people, his disciples, and us uh, to be loving one another, to washing one another's feet. And so rather than looking at this as a verse-by-verse study, I'd like for us to focus on this thing, this theme about loving one another and washing one another's feet. You know, I'm having a hard time getting over here and wa- looking at you guys. So if I don't look at you, it doesn't mean that I'm not speaking to you, okay? <laughs> Same thing over here. Way over in the corner over there. Okay, I see your hand. God bless you. <clears throat> oh, that helps. Now I can see the couple that's going to get married. <clears throat> I have the gift of prophecy and knowledge and all that kind of stuff. So. That's. Stop laughing. <clears throat> Am I running out of time? I'm just, I haven't even got into the study yet. But it was, it would, take a look at this. Jesus reaffirms his disciples that the key component of Christian as, as Christians, the key component is that we love one another. That's the thing that uh, is going to identify who we are when we love one another. So when we think about loving one another, we have to look across the room or someone near you and ask ourselves, do I really love that person? Is there someone in this room that I have a hard time loving? And uh, 
Am I gossiping about that person? Am I talking about that person in a way that I should not be talking about them? Am I behaving towards them as a way I should not be behaving? If that's true, then God's word also says, Jesus says, if you come into the congregation and uh, you're coming in to worship, he's talking about giving, but it's an act of worship. If you're coming in to worship and you're not loving someone, you have something against someone, then stop where you are and go and get it corrected and then go back and worship. Did you do that today? Is there someone in this room that you feel like is, you have a hard time loving and you need to get it right? That's what Jesus is talking about, about washing feet and worshiping. It's a commandment to love each other. And the reason here in verse 35 he tells us is, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. However, before he gives this teaching, Jesus sets the stage by setting an example. And he washes feet. And it's a lesson you and I need to put into practice for ourselves as well. If you're taking notes, if you're um, a note taker, and uh, hopefully some of you are, there are four key factors which will help you to, and me, to keep that commandment to love one another. So if you would write these things down, if you're keeping notes, um, this will be the, the theme that we're going to be following. The first one has to do with the freedom to love. So if you want to write that down, you can just write down the freedom to love and then follow along with the notes that you take after that. You see, even if uh, as, as these disciples are seems to always be in a problem having arguments with one another. They're constantly arguing. Even as Judas is preparing to um, um, betray him, even as the hour is that time when he's getting ready to be betrayed and he's, it's going to be heavy on his heart about the crucifixion, the things that he's going to, people mocking him while he's on the cross. All this is in his mind. Jesus has perfect liberty. He has a perfect freedom to love. And he's going to demonstrate that here. The freedom to love. Because he knew that he came from God. And I I want you to think about something as we consider that. Knew that he came from God. But also knowing that he's going back to his father. You're still struggling with mistakes that you made a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. You're not going to have the freedom to love the way Jesus is talking here. You're not going to have the freedom to, the liberty to wash feet the way Jesus is talking about. He says, you may not understand right now what's happening, but you will. And I think most of you, you've been under good teaching for years now. You know what Jesus is talking about. You know what washing feet is all about. So if you're under the problem of disturbances, of your own failures, your hate for someone or your dislike for someone, 
struggling with the mistakes that you've made in your life. All these things are haunting you from the past. You're not going to be able to love the way Jesus says in the present. Because you see, the more you love someone, the more Satan wants to come in and wants to speak into your heart, into your ear, into your mind, that you're such a hypocrite. You've got all these things in the past that have piled up, all this um, heavy weight that you're carrying around. You're such a, a failure. How can you love? You're being a hypocrite trying to show love when you've got so much bitterness in your own life. And he's constantly replaying all the past failures that you've had <clears throat> and inconsistencies and, and making us feel unqualified to do anything for the Lord. And, uh, and so we find ourselves wallowing in, in some kind of a defeat. And you have to ask yourself, why, why do I allow this? Why do I allow myself to be paralyzed to the point that I can't serve, that I can't love like God wants me to? You see, in, in my life, I, I've had that same problem because I, I haven't always been a pastor. I haven't always been a Christian. And um, sometimes people look at old guys like me. I'm, I mean, I'm, in August, I'm going to be 84. Wow. So. <laughs> what does that mean? You're, you're thinking you're still here? <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> this, this is what happens when you turn 84. You forget where you were. So what was I talking about? <clears throat> anyway, when you look at a guy, an old guy, you think, uh, well, he's always been that way. Well, I... <laughs> Didn't always look this old. Anyway, <clears throat> um, but um, the old life, the things, the, the sins that I went through, I accepted, <clears throat> excuse me, I accepted Christ when I was in the army and uh, thinking, you know, <laughs> if I get killed, I've been told, I've been heard, I've heard it, hell is my only option. So I need to get right with the Lord. Not going to go through the whole story. But um, <clears throat> very excited about Jesus Christ, very excited to the point that I was, no one taught me how to share Jesus Christ. So I wasn't very accomplished at it. <laughs> Sometimes I was very belligerent about it. You're going to hell! <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, but I got out of, <clears throat> hang on. You haven't been praying for me hard enough, Ross. Come on. Um, get out of the army. The old motorcycle gang came up. You know, let's have a party. You're out of the army. Let's celebrate. I don't do that anymore. And uh, why? You know, we're friends. You know, we want to get together. Okay, let's get together. Have a beer. No, I, I don't do that anymore. What? A lousy beer for... Buddies, you know, okay, one beer, and eventually became an alcoholic. Teaching Sunday school, sixth grade boys, as an alcoholic. And I'm thinking, now I, I think back and I think, why did, 
how did the church allow me to do something like that? But, um, but I, I began to see, I, I'm sharing Jesus Christ, still bummed out on Sunday mornings, and seeing my buddies die, get killed, stabbed to death, all these different things. And I'm thinking, God, I've got to change my life. I've got, I, I, I can't wash people's feet. I can't love in the way that you want me to love and live like this. And it was, those of you that have been alcoholics, you know what it's like to try to get rid of that stuff and pray and pray and cry out to God. But eventually, you know, God did deliver me. But in the meantime, over the years, this weight was there. There was almost, I mean, I could teach a Sunday school class, but the love was not there. It was one of these things where I, I talk about love, I could teach about love, but washing feet the way Jesus is talking about it was not there. I remember one time, I'm getting way off subject here, so don't push the red light yet. Um, <laughs> um, my, my sister had married a, an abusive guy. He's, no, he's a Christian now, no longer that, but at the time he was. And uh, she would be coming to the house crying. You know, he's doing this, he's doing that. One time she came and he has his gun out and da 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 da, da. Okay, I'll go fix it. So I go over and beat the guy up. I don't, you look at me and you think, he could beat, how did he beat anybody up? But <clears throat> I have to remember I was young once. Um, then I go back and I, I tell my sister, okay, it's taken care of. How'd you take care of it? Well, I just beat him up. What do you mean you beat him up? You're supposed to be a Christian. How do you go around beating, you think you can always solve problems by beating people up? And, um, and it suddenly dawned on me that, Wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that. That's just, that was just my life. And um, one day I was reading through, how many have anger problems? Not too many, not too many admitting it, but uh, <clears throat> that was my problem though. I had a real anger problem. But I was reading through James chapter one where it says, you need to be slow to speak and slow to hear, or fast to hear, quick to hear. Something like that. <laughs> and, um, and the anger of man does not promote the righteousness of God. And I, I don't know how many times I'd read that and suddenly, bam! I, I, I want to promote God's righteousness. I need to make a change in my life. And God began to deal with me to, you've got to change how you react to people. You talk about love, you act about love, but you also act about the devil and anger. And so Jesus began, and the Holy Spirit began to speaking to me to make some changes in my life, but I was still paralyzed a lot of time about loving because of all this stuff garbage, all this stuff, Satan was always speaking to my mind of, you hypocrite, you know what you were like, how can you talk to people about love, how can you even love anyone, 
So if you're a born-again believer and in Jesus Christ, all your failures have been taken care of. Where have they been taken care of? At the cross. Isn't that a great thing? Isn't that a beautiful idea? All this was taken care of at the cross. Hebrews 8.12 says this. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Oh. How many lawless deeds, how many things in your life have paralyzed you? And Jesus says, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not, I'm not, I've forgiven you at the cross. I've taken care of it. It's, it's one of those things where, as, as I mentioned in the first service, <clears throat> I'm not one of those kind of pastors that is dynamic speaker. I, I, I don't feel like I'm accomplished speaker. But the thing is that God has released me to say, it doesn't matter how accomplished you are. I want to use you. It's one of the, and, and I don't care about the past because it's taken care of. I'm not holding it against you. So if you're in a place today where you feel like, I can't do anything for God. I, I just, I'm just a little me. And, and Jesus is saying, it's taken care of. All of us are just a little me. But all of us working together, loving one another in the way that Jesus is talking about, can make a huge difference in your community. It can be, and not and spread from the community further out into our state and make a huge difference. And so, for I will be merciful to the unrighteous, their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. And so I can absolutely be at peace with my past, not because of my perfection. I'm not, not even close. You see, not only did Jesus know that he came from God, but he also knew that he was going to go to God. And that's my hope. Even though I am not perfect, I have a hope that says one day I'm going to be in the presence of my Lord. Later on, over in chapter 14, Jesus tells them these encouraging words. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if, if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Let me ask you a question. You ever thought about that? He is preparing a place how many years has he been gone and he's still preparing a place for you? I mean, here's a God who, in a nanosecond, the whole universe, worlds were created. And just like that. And he's taken this long to prepare a place for you? For, for me. What a grand thought to think about what, what it's going to be like to see him, yes, face to face, but to be in a place that he is preparing especially for us. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So not only did Jesus know where he was going, but he wants us to know as well. He wants us to be sure as well. He wants me to be to focus more on heaven than what I'm missing out here on the earth. Because as one commentator put it was that um, the more we take care of thinking about heaven, the more we're going to be able to do here on this earth. And we want to prepare people for heaven as much as we are prepared for heaven and knowing that he has prepared a place for me. I'm, if I'm all, always concerned about the stock market, if I'm always concerned about what's going on in, in, in around the rest of the world, if I'm always concerned about the tweet of the president, what is, what is he going to do next? Uh, if I'm always concerned about what is my relationship to certain people going to be, if those are the concerns, we're never going to have that freedom. We're never going to have that liberty to love the way that God wants us to. I, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time loving while here on this earth. So Jesus says there in verse 14, let not your heart be troubled. So why not, should we be worried about the stock market? Or if something is getting in some, somehow my Christianity is hurting uh, someone's feelings and, and feeling like that they're uh, being, the gospel is being crammed down their throat, which is a, a term that's being used a lot. So we, we know that we're going to heaven, right? We know that we, we have a place that's being prepared for us. So we need to allow that to give us the freedom to be Christians, Christians that love. Christians, the world, people can look at us and say, they are people who love Jesus. They, they, have, they are people who have been with Jesus. So if we know we're going to heaven, that gives us the freedom to love. Let me ask you a question. If you can really truly say, by faith in Jesus Christ, my faith has been taken care of at the cross, and my future and my hope is in heaven, then what in the world is keeping us from the freedom to take care of the love situation while we're here in this world. Nothing should keep us from that. But, Pastor, you, you don't know the person that I have to deal with. You don't know how much they've hurt me. You don't know how much pain they've caused in my life. So how can I, how can I love the way that Jesus says to love here? No, it's not easy. It's, it's never easy. But it, that doesn't mean it's impossible. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you're a born-again Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, it's something that we can do. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And, and these are the things that people need to see in our life. The, you in this room need to see it among one another. The world needs to see it, that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so it's not easy, but it's not impossible. Let me ask you a question. What kind of love was it for Jesus when he expressed it at Gethsemane? Was it easy? In Gethsemane, it was tearing away at his heart. What kind of love do you think it was for Jesus when he was hanging on the cross and looking at those people that were mocking him and saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. 
What kind of love did it take for him to look, look at us when we were mocking him or rejecting him and saying, Father, I want them. I want him. I want her to be with me in that place that I'm preparing. Jesus knew where he was going, and that freed him up for love. Do you know where you're going? If you know for sure you're going to heaven, you're free to love. But there's another factor as it relates to love. You can write it down, the cost of love. Look at verse 3. <clears throat> Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Here he is sitting at the table. Jesus' meal is there with him, and they're reclining at their tables. The meals are sitting out there. But Jesus' meal is interrupted. How is it interrupted? Well, he's looking around. These guys are all reclining. Their feet are sticking out there in almost one another's face. And uh, he notices no one's washed anyone's feet. We don't have a servant to wash feet. So what does he do? He gets up to wash feet. He does what the servant would do, puts on the towel around him, and, and he, he goes around to wash the feet. They were sitting there with their favorite places. No one else had recognized that they needed to love. No one else recognized they needed to wash feet. But Jesus did. It's going to cost him. You're sitting in your favorite chair in front of the television. You got your big bowl of popcorn. You're watching the Warriors play. Or this Las Vegas team that's just... Anyway, um, whatever, well, you're watching something you enjoy on television and you're sitting there and all of a sudden a knock comes on the door. But we're right in the middle of, it's a fourth down and they've got one yard to go, what are they gonna do? And knock on the door, the phone rings. Something is always going to interrupt. Why is it interrupting? Because you're involved with people. Anytime you're involved with people, anytime you involve your life with people, things are going to interrupt. You, you, you're, you're going to be tempted to not love. You're going to be tempted to not wash feet. You're going to be tempted to ignore someone. Let, it, let the phone go on you know, answer machine or something. I, what do I have to deal with this now, right at this moment? But this, this is what Jesus is saying. Knowing that the Father had given all things in his hands, that he should co had come from God and was going to God. The cost of love is, is the interruptions. If you're going to be 
someone who loves, it means you're inevitably going to be interrupted because it's, you're going to be involved with people's lives. Think about it. When Jesus did this, he didn't lecture the people about their feet. He didn't talk about how, how to wash feet. He just got up and did it. He didn't scold them for, a, you know, why didn't you guys take care of this? Listen carefully. If I'm not willing to wash feet, then I need to keep my mouth shut. Washing feet is taking care of someone that is hurting or someone that is going through sin. Washing feet is ensuring that this person gets some kind of help to get out of their sin. Someone was helping me to get out of my sin. And we need to do the same thing without lecturing. Just come alongside because you see, I can either talk about dirt or I can wash away the dirt. I can, I can do something about it in a person's life by helping with the situation, getting down on my knees in humiliation and, and in a place of a servant and saying, let me help. Through Jesus Christ, let me help. And that's what Jesus chose to do. He didn't, he didn't even point out the dirt on the disciples. He, he did something about it. And that's what, that's what we're called to do. And so you and I need to have the freedom to love as well as count the cost for loving, the interruptions that are going to come. Another factor in this would be a model for love. Look at verse 5 again with me. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So Jesus' act was something that was unannounced. Um, he didn't stand up and say, okay, guys, now we're going to have a lesson on love. You're going to see it in action. And here's the way you do it. So keep notes. Pay attention. This is something he didn't do. Nope. He just quietly got up, not making a big do of it, and began washing feet. Um, some, he didn't somehow put up banners and say that, to Jerusalem, here's what we're planning on doing next. We're going to have a foot washing service. And so be sure and tune us in and channel whatever. And so he just quietly with his disciples says to himself, I know where I'm going. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. And I'm going to model love. Now you might be thinking to yourself, well, the disciples, after all, that'd be easy to do. They're the, they're the ones that follow Jesus. It'd be easy to wash their feet, but uh, you, you just have no idea the people that are in my life, what it would be like. But wait a minute. Think about it. Who are these guys that he calls his disciples? What do we know about them? One of them is going to betray him. The other ones are going to flee. They're always arguing with one another. They're always having me first. I want to sit at the right hand or the left hand of the Father. But the question is, how about me? How about you? Where do you stand in this? What, what place 
is in your heart to stop and wash feet? Are, are you going to be modeling that for someone humbly like Jesus without any fanfare? I just want to do it. Just look around at, at this group that uh, Jesus is with, and you'll see these people are just, just like folks around you every single day. And they need your help. They need your love. And yet Jesus, in a humble way, loves these guys who aren't very lovable. Let me tell you something. That's encouraging to me to know that Jesus loved me, an unlovable type of guy. He loved you. And he gave his life for you. And he humbled himself in a sense of washing your feet by dying on the cross. Die to self. Allow yourself to gird yourself and be prepared to serve in love because he loves me. Not because I'm lovable, but because he is love. Do I want to be like Jesus? He was the one who modeled love and humility. So I have to ask myself the question, who can I model love this week? Who can I go to and just humbly wash their feet and not lecture? Oh, oh I want to lecture. I mean, I, I want to find, I want to get in their face and talk to them about the dirt that's on their feet. I, I want to do that. But God says, no, let my son Jesus be your model. Follow his example. But there will be other times when there will be difficulties in love. Notice verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And he goes on that's saying, you're not going to wash my feet, but uh, Jesus wants to wash Peter's feet. But what happens? He protests, saying, I, I, I don't want to do that. And a lot of times there are going to be people in your life that are going to be the same way. There are going to be people that are going to be um, uh, rejecting your love and they're going to be hard to love and Jesus is going to remind us that even if it's difficult we need to come humbly and wash people's feet a lot of times there are going to be people who you want to help that don't want to be helped and all we can do is do what we can and allow God to do the rest and so we need to expect that there will be difficulties but let's look at a couple of other things as it relates to washing the feet. And let's consider practical side also, a theological side. Practically thinking, and our culture may not always be literally washing someone's feet, but uh, the, way, the way that um, Jesus was doing. But there are ways to practically wash feet, and it might mean just going to take care of someone's family. I was talking to someone after... The, church service, uh, first service, that was talking about um, how people come around and helping her during a time of need. And it can be that way with us. When people desperately need some help, we can help. Um, maybe it would be just mowing someone's lawn during a time when they're in the hospital or, or whatever it might be. But maybe you might be thinking, oh, that sounds good, but I've got so much to do myself. How do I have time? What if you need that help? Someone else might say, I don't have time. 
we need to, to forget about ourselves and begin to think about the other person more. It's a time when Jesus is going through a time of personal agony, but he didn't wash his hands of those things. But he took a basin, and he used that basin as an example, as a model to say, here's what we need to do. We need to set aside a time to take care of someone's needs when they need it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 gives us some theological insight as it relates to, to we are to love. He said, for he made himself, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are righteous before. We may not feel righteous before God, but he makes us righteous. He sees us as righteous. Unfortunately, as we walk in the world, even though he sees us as righteous, we're going to walk in muddy places. We're going to walk in dirty places. We're going to get our feet dirty, and we need to be cleansed. We need to have that washing continually. How are we going to do that? How do we get washed continually? Well, 1 John 1, 9, all of you probably know it very well. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful thing to you? He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He washes our feet. So I need to be continually in a, a, an act of confessing. If I, if I want my feet to be clean, I need to come before Jesus and, and agree with him that I have been in sin. I, I need to agree with him that something is wrong in my life. And then he is faithful and he is just to forgive me and to washes me clean. So if I want to be able to love as Christ loves, I need to truly believe that what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, that I am righteous in his eyes. But because there are times that I walk in unrighteousness, I need to truly believe that I... If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just. Let me tell you something. We don't need to be rebaptized. We don't need to be resaved when we stumble and fall. We just need the prescription of John, 1 John 1, 9. And he'll wash our feet when we do. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that we just don't have plenty of. And that's true. And Jesus says so. And so what we need is we need to know that we're, uh, there's a place in heaven prepared for us. And we're going to heaven. Amen? Amen. That we can be assured of that. Jesus made that promise. I am going away and I'm coming again to take you to myself. I may go sooner than you go. But one of these days we may all go together. It's going to be a glorious time. In 1971, John Lennon wrote and sang this song. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, there's only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Well, the impact he had on his life was on, on lives of a lot of people were reality. And a lot of people, including Christians, just loved the song. And it was a beautiful song. We can't deny it. But philosophically, it was dumb. 
Why would anyone want to imagine there's no heaven? Why would anyone want to imagine there's no God? There's no, there's no faith. Lenin's second line says, it's easy if you try. I can't. <laughs> I've tried. I can't imagine no heaven. It simply doesn't make sense to me. It simply doesn't compute for me. Com Lenin says there at the end of the last stanza, imagine all the people living for today. Well, they do. We know that. Everyone is, not everyone, but most everyone is doing right what is in their own eyes. Lenin says he wants us to live for today. Well, isn't that what the world is doing anyway? But when today is gone, where are we going to be? If there is no heaven, then what's in it for me? I mean, if there is no heaven and I try this love thing, it's going to be all about me. I, I'm loving so I can get back love. I'm loving so I can get something. For, what am I going to get out of this love thing? But there is a heaven, and I'm going to be going there, and Jesus is the only way that I know to realize that goal. And the third stanza, Lennon says, you may say that I'm a dreamer, Yes, John, you were. <laughs> and what you dreamed was not reality. So heaven is real, and I can't imagine living without that reality. And hopefully, hopefully that's true for you. I'm glad to hear the amens. But saints, here's the challenge for you. Find people to love in this room. Find people to, to love outside this room. And let it be a model of love that Jesus gave, even when it's difficult. Find practical ways to do it. Be doers of the word, and not just hearers, not just coming in to listen and walking away and doing nothing about it. And so, as we leave today, would you commit yourself to say, I will, this week, begin finding one person that I can love. It may be just a verbal thing. It may be a practical thing. It may be a theological thing. Would you do that for me? Would you do it for Jesus? Father, we thank you that uh, you give us the, the privilege of loving. You give us the ability to love through the power of the Spirit. God, in my weakness, I can't do it. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I pray for these people, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless each individual in this room in a special way that they leave with the assurance of heaven and the assurance of ability to love and the freedom to love. I ask it in your son's name. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.